Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Untamed Life. I'm excited about today's conversation because it's going to be very practical. <laughs> it's going to be pretty tactical in some ways and um, really want to base it around the part three of our three-part series on reclaim, restore, rebuild, which is the entire theme for 2023. My, all the conversations I'm going to be having this year with you guys inside of my programs, et cetera. So listen, you know, I had a call the other day from someone that was referred to me and this guy said to me, you know, Christine, two or three years ago, I was at the top of my game. I was bringing in multiple million dollars a year. I was operating from a place of overflow. I had more than enough time in my schedule for the kids, for myself. I had more than enough cash to pay for the things I needed to for, you know, my ex-wife, for our current, you know, situation, for all the bills and stuff that was going on. I had more than enough, right? And then I got broadsided. I got broadsided with a, a divorce. I got broadsided in the business. I got broadsided. And this is what happens. You know, have you ever felt like sometimes you get hit by one thing and it's like 10 storms hit you all at once? And this is what I know is whenever we go through these seasons, I, you know, they're massive upgrade seasons, but they're, they feel like total breakdowns. That's why, you know, they're called dark nights of the soul. These breakdown moments that we are really being called into a new season of life. You know, they're breakdowns before the breakthroughs. When it feels like we are coming out of this place where, okay, everything that I had seemed to have like burned down or broken down. And now I'm operating at like 10, 20, 30% of what I used to have available to me, 20% of my energy, my bandwidth, right? And I will often ask people that question. And you guys I mean, probably heard it a million times on this podcast, you know, like how much of your bandwidth you know, are you operating at now relative to what you know you have or what you've had in the past, right? And sometimes, you know, oftentimes people are on the rebuilding, they're on the backup, right? They're not in the lowest of low moment, but it's this question of like, how do I start to get this right? How do I get it right this time? How do I get back to where I used to be, right? That's always the question. How do I get back to where I was when I was kicking butt, taking names, when things were going smooth, when I was operating from overflow? And I hope that I've addressed that question already in the previous two episodes. If you you haven't listened to it, go back and do that. But we don't actually want to rebuild the past. We want to build something new on a new foundation, right? So the idea is like remembering what was good about where we were, but really not wanting to go backwards. Because if we're trying to go backwards, we're not going forward. And we're not really going into like the new land, the new place, the new identity, the new opportunities that are there for us. We're just trying to get back to a place that we thought was the best that we could have. So I'm really speaking to those of you who know 
man, I'm being called into new territory, right? I'm reclaiming the love. I'm reclaiming the financial prosperity. I'm reclaiming the body that's, you know, healthy, got the stamina, got the strength, got the clarity. You know, I'm reclaiming mental clarity. I'm reclaiming space in my schedule, but it's going to be for something new. It's going to be for something better than I had before. It's going to be for something even more than I imagined. I'm going to be able to operate at a higher capacity, right? In in a new season, in a new place, new level of leadership. That is who I'm having this conversation is for. And as we talk about rebuilding, right? Here's the thing. I want to talk about 10, 10, I got 10 bullet points here of, you know, 10 reasons why people don't rebuild in a way that there is solidity, you know, to whatever it is that they're creating. They rebuild something and it crumbles again. They rebuild something and it seems to sink. They're trying to rebuild, but they don't get momentum, right? They keep hitting against walls. And I I am, I would like to say that I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing. This is kind of my jam when I work with clients and I feel like I've rebuilt. I don't feel, I know I have rebuilt myself so many times throughout my life, rebuilt my identity, rebuilt the foundation on which my businesses were, were built on, you know, the home, the atmosphere in our home, rebuilt relationships. And obviously the reason why I'm so passionate about this message is I didn't do it alone. I did it really like I, I had to go in. I had to, you know, this, even this most recent big season that I've gone through is really coming back and doing it through God, like through God within me, through this source, right? Because if you're always trying to do it on your own strength, your own will, your own resources, like you can only get so far, but you, if when we start to rebuild in union, in co-creation, in collaboration with the right other people around us, with the right relationships around us, right? The right partners, the right partner in marriage, the right business partners, the right friendships, the right connections, everything starts to multiply. Everything starts to multiply. But here's 10 reasons why, you know, people keep hitting the wall in the rebuilding and why things keep re-crumbling, falling apart again. And I wanted to phrase it this way because I want to really address the patterns, the behaviors, the things that people fall into that they're like, yeah, it's not a big deal, you know, but it is because these are the exact reasons why people get stuck in the rebuilding process. And then they wonder what, what just happened? What did I just spend the last two years or eight years of my life doing? And I'm personally going to raise my hand and say this because after I was divorced to my first husband, I spent the next eight years of my life cycling through relationship that although it wasn't a copycat version of the first one, we cycled a lot of the same patterns, the same wounding, right? The healing didn't happen. I just got another lesson that lasted for eight years. And at the end of the next eight years, there was a, a, a I'm going to say a wake of destruction. There was like casualties, right? And now I had gone through eight years of dragging my kids through this eight years of struggling. And, and, you know, there was a lot of great things that happened in my business, but it sucked so much bandwidth out of my my ability to create and everything was like so forceful and so much work. I could have saved myself a lot of time, a lot of energy if I would have just paused for a second and set things up right from the beginning. So again, I'm going to pause for a second before I dive into these 10 things that I see that people don't do when they're rebuilding and they rush, they're impatient. They want to just get to it. We already talked about restoring, restoration, right? Healing. That's a big one. That was the last episode. You know, I want to just pause again and um, 
Yeah. Just come back to that. If you have not w- listened to episodes one and two, make sure that you do that. Cause this is really, um, a three-part process that I'm, I'm talking through. So the first, I'm going to just jump right in, right? So how do we rebuild? What gets in the way from us rebuilding sustainably in a way that is life-giving, that multiplies, right? How do we rebuild the relationship moving forward with our spouse, our partners, our kids, our adult kids, our strange kids, um, team members, whatever, so that we are in a completely different space. I can, we're having completely different conversations. What gets in the way from that? Well, the first thing that I see, and it's going right back to the beginning, you know, is I already said it. So I'm going to jump into this, you know, really clear, but it's, they never healed. They never healed the past, right? They never dealt with the past. They just shoved it under the rug. They ignored it. They're like, yep, just move on. And listen, I'm, I'm not for like staying and rehashing things all the time. I think that there's really um, valuable therapy and stuff that can take place. A lot of people come to work with me after they've been in therapy, couples therapy, some kind of therapy for years and years and years. And they're just like, they feel like they're just rehashing a lot of the past. I'm talking about deep healing, right? Really releasing and letting go and accepting and forgiving and appreciating, getting to a place where they can appreciate the past. That's a powerful place. So if they don't do the healing, they bypass it. They don't want to feel it, right? They don't want to feel it. They just suppress it, you know, numb it out, sedate it, avoid it. Um, it will, it will regurgitate. It will come back up later in a purge, right? A volcanic eruption, unexpected time, unexpected place. And you're going to be like, what on earth? Where did that come from? It came from within you because it was in you all along. It was waiting for an opportunity to come out. So you, you got to know, and, and, and I'm just going to talk about something that happens if we're rebuilding and we don't heal this stuff. A lot of times what can happen is we connect with other people with the same wound, the same problem. We, we bond with them. Right. And, um, I, I see this a lot that all of a sudden we think, oh my gosh, we have this like crazy attraction or they're the perfect employer. This is the perfect business partner for the deal. And what it is, is you're actually seeking, um, healing, <laughs> from the wound that never got healed. So you end up re-inviting the lesson back into your life. And both of you may have had similar back stories in some version, but the wounding never healed, right? So you spend a lot of your time and energy either talking about or trying to avoid repeating the past, which ends up bringing it to the forefront all over again. And here we go. We repeat the lesson. So number one is do not try to rebuild something if you are not committed to doing the healing process and the foundational work of acceptance, forgiveness, and appreciation, appreciating the past. The second thing here is vision, right? Vision. They lack the vision. They haven't dropped into a place of isolation, solitude, spending time alone, right? Going within and getting clear on like, what is it that I want? What is it that I'm being called to create? What is it that I'm actually wanting to build here, right? Like, or what's coming to me? What is the vision of the future relative to the past, right? And so I just want to say that 
if we don't have the vision, we will just start doing what everyone else tells us to do or everything else that we see, right? We'll be starting to rebuild businesses, looking sideways at what the competition is doing. We'll start fixing problems based on the feedback and input of people that are giving us a lot of opinions, but don't have a lot of wisdom, right? Or expertise in this area. Like I'm, when I say expertise, I'm talking about lived experience. I want to, I, for me, I really, if someone's going to mentor me or I'm going to pay money to work with someone or hire someone, they better have gone through the fire that I'm walking through. They better have understood at some capacity in some way, the core issues, not necessarily the same external stuff, but the root issues that I've gone through. But I, I, that's how I hire people, counsel, mentors. Like I want to know that they live it, breathe it, sleep it, like slept it, like it's in their bones, not just in their head, right? So the vision, when people lack vision, they ultimately, I think Neil Kennedy, I had him on the show a while ago. He said this, and I love the way he said it. Like when a per, when when purpose is lacking, abuse is inevitable. Neil Kennedy said that when purpose is lacking, abuse is inevitable. When we are not clear, right, on what it is that we are creating the vision, right? Over time, abuse is inevitable, right? Abuse inside the relationship, abusing people, disrespecting, not appreciating, right? Taking advantage, whatever. We've got to get clear on that. And this is, again, I don't think people take the time to pause, to pull back because they're anxious. They're anxious about today. They're anxious about tomorrow. They want to get on with it. We get impatient. And I, I know this space, like I'm a quick start. I like to get things done. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I got the idea. I want to move on it now. Instead of really being patient and letting this, this, this vision start to come together, getting clear on the what, if you are clear on the what, right, what, then the why will start to, or the, the how will start to come together, right? The next step will start to come together. People want to rush right into how Christine, how do I do this? How do I communicate? How do I do this? How, and that's fine. We could talk about the how, but if it always comes back to what is it that you actually are creating here? What is it that you're actually building? Do you have a vision for it? Right. And the third thing I want to talk about there is the convicting why, why in your bones, like, why is it not acceptable to have anything less than this? Do you have a convicting why? I mean, the conviction is what moves us. Guilt paralyzes, conviction mobilizes, guilt paralyzes, right? Guilt just has us playing in the tape over and over again. Poor me, victim. How could I do that? We're self-lashing. We're in the shame, blame game, victimizing ourselves, victimizing others, blaming ourselves, blaming others. And there we are in the loop of guilt, shame, and fear. But if we get convicted, if we feel the conviction that says, you know what? I made mistakes. I'm going to have radical ownership over those mistakes. I don't need to, you know, keep the self-lashings. I don't need to beat myself up 20 million ways till Sunday on this. I'm going to own it. And I have conviction to never recreate that again. I have conviction to create something completely different. I have conviction to show up as a different woman moving forward. Conviction is what moves us. And we got to get a little pissed about what we tolerated in the past. Anger is not a bad emotion, right? Anger is actually higher calibrating than guilt, fear, shame, apathy. We've got to get mobilized. We have to reignite the fire within us. So I love having the conversation with people about like what really 
pisses you off about this? Like what burns, you know, what burns you? What do you get angry about? What like hurts your heart? Right. And like, we've got to ignite that flame. And again, I'm not talking about creating from a fire under your butt, but as we fan the flame and you get clear on clear on what is no longer for you, what is you're no longer tolerating, why this is no longer okay to be settling in this place. And we clarify the vision. There's this magnetism that happens. It's like this magnetic pull that starts to happen. And we have polarity, which creates contrast. And you're very clear on where you're going and you're very clear on where you're not going. And like, we can move in the right direction, right? So if, if you don't have a convicting why, if you're like, well, I just don't want to be alone or, well, I just want to make more money or, well, you know, I'm afraid retirement is coming and I'm not going to have enough money or whatever the thing is, or, you know, like whatever the thing is, if it doesn't light a fire in you, it's not convicting. You've heard this, you've heard the Simon Sinek talk on, you know, the power of your why and all of this, but real conviction is something that calls you, that moves you, that inspires you, right? That makes you want to take a stand, that sword that you see in the background. It's like, I want to get it. And I'm like, I'm forging the way forward, right? People lack that level of conviction. And that's why they waver. They get wishy-washy. They compromise. They get derailed, distracted. They are easily led astray. They're actually, you know, led to go sideways because they, they don't have any conviction. They don't even know what they stand for. They don't know what they stand for, which brings me into the next one, which is that they don't have any standards or values established. One of the great bodies of work, which I love is asking people like, what, what are your values in this season of life? Because here's the thing, beliefs change values. Don't, I mean, values are pretty ingrained, but even values, how we define them evolves over time, how you define, right? You might have a value of a value system of freedom or a value system of growth or a value system of, um, you know, financial stewardship or whatever that means, like being responsible with money, right? You might have a, a value system around vitality and health, healthy, but we might have completely different definitions. I guarantee you my definition of, you know, what it means to be healthy today is very different than it was if, when I was 20. If you would have asked me, they're, they're very different. So, you know, reestablishing in each season, what are your values? Like, what are your standards? Do you know what they are? When was the last time you defined them? Are you clear on them? Because here's what I see is people don't have a clue what their values are. They have never defined them. They think they know. They meet someone else. We look at them through rose-colored glasses or we hire somebody just to fill a hole because we're desperate, right? For an employee because we've got too many projects on the go. And, you know, we just, we're, we're trying to plug a hole. We're trying to plug a leak. And we're, we're settling and we're making do with what we get without running people, running projects, running partners, running potential future mates through a filter, right? And checking in, like, are our values, in, like, are they congruent? Are we in alignment here? Because if our values are out of alignment and, our, and we have very different standards for how we live, right? It's going to be a bit of a shitstorm when we move in together or we work in the same office or we work on the same project or we sign an agreement to work together. So we've got to get clear on like what matters to you, right? One of my values is that I'm, I am, I have shared values and I'm in con like congruency with the partners staff that I bring in. So I'm not going to hire someone on my team or bring a subcontractor in that 
isn't heading kind of in the same direction as I am, right? Like, and I'm very clear on, on what that means and what that looks like. And we get to have a heart to heart conversation in the beginning, because if their core values are completely the opposite, it's, it's just not going to be a fit, right? There's all kinds of hiring tools around this. I think it's a conversation that a lot of people have inside organizations. We used to talk about it all the time, but we didn't live it. And I'll tell you the amount of people I coach where their values are on the wall right? Oh, they're on the wall. Everybody knows what they are. You ask the staff, you ask the team, nobody knows. You ask the kids around the kitchen table, what what do we stand for as a family? Nobody really knows, right? Do we have these conversations around the dinner table, right? Do your kids know what you stand for as a family, as a unit, right? And the answer is, I'm going to tell you, the answer is no. With that standards, right? Values and standards are a little bit different, but standard is like, this is like our operating system. This is our MO around here. Like, this is how we roll, right? Do we have standards for how we communicate, for how we, you know, respect each other's property or our own property? Like, do we have standards for how we manage money or communication or different things, right? how we take care of our bodies protocol. And, and, and again, then this is not to, this might sound a little bit like legalistic or, and I, if, if those of you who know me personally, or you have followed me for some time, I'm all about freedom and flow and flexibility and like having lots of spaciousness. And also I know that the more you want to create, the more creative power flows through you the more you allow God to work in you, the more structure and support you need in your life, right? The more structure you need, it's just like that riverbanks. They need to be solid, right? You need to know what direction the water is flowing. Cause if you're asking for a flood to come, you don't just want it to go all over the place. Like you, if you want to open the floodgates and you're like, okay, I have very solid banks here to, to channel this water, to channel these ideas, to, you know, to let this energy flow through. And I know exactly where it's going to end up, right? There's a lake down there. There's an ocean. There's something that I'm creating that's going to collect this. So I use this analogy of the riverbanks and water flowing a lot because I think it's such a great visual that the more we want to allow in us and through us, the tighter the structure to the, the right structure needs to be in place. I'm going to say tighter, the right structure needs to be in place to support that. So the standards for me is is a lot of that structure that provides that, right? It's like, this is how we roll. And it eliminates a lot of complexity. It eliminates a lot of overthinking. Like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Like, right, why are we doing this? It eliminates a lot when you have clear standards um, in place. So, right, no standards, no values, no vision, right? No conviction, no healing that happened. We're just like, oh, I'm good. I'll just move on. Like, oh, I'm good. I'll just move on. I'll just kind of go with whatever's here. I'm not really sure what you stand for or I stand for, but hey, we seem to get along and like things are good. So it seems like a good partnership, seems like a good company to pair up with. Um, and I know this sounds kind of elementary, but these are really these are the powerful conversations that we're not having a lot of times. And these are the powerful conversations that I'm having inside of the co coaching containers that are game changing for the leaders that I work with as they reestablish, right? They reclaim their leadership position. They reclaim their seat to, to like take back control of their life and they start reestablishing order in their life, reestablishing clarity and energy and direction and all of these things. So we talked about no standards. And along with that, I would say that, you know, no, um, no focus, no focus, right? 
we are not intentional with our communication. We're not intentional with how we want to experience our time or our days. We can easily become mindless and we're just getting swept in the drift. You know, um, if in the beginning of a new relationship, you know, you guys have always heard there's that honeymoon period of a new relationship. There's a honeymoon period in business partnerships. There's a honeymoon period in, you know, new friendships. There's a honeymoon period when you get something new, but to, when that starts wearing, wearing off a little bit, right. And maybe you start to see some of the kinks and the challenges and stuff like that. Like it's easy to get distracted or derailed or whatever. But if we can come back to like, look, what are we consciously creating here? Where are we headed? What do we stand for? Our focus can be channeled on the right things at the right time. We can be intentional to in coming back to what matters. When conversations get derailed, instead of getting caught up in the minutia of the moment, the drama of what's going on with their exes or your exes or the kids or whatever, instead of getting caught up in the details and the drama, we can bring it back intentionally to what actually matters. So this is why people don't rebuild successfully is that no intention, right? Or we set an intention, but then we don't hold it. We don't hold the intention through action, right? So focus comes by setting an intention and then protecting the space. And that is the next thing that I see in the rebuilding process that people don't have success is that they fail to protect what matters. They fail to protect what matters. And I I talk a lot about this with the men, but women too, like we have to protect our energy. We have to protect who has influence over us. One of the key areas that I talk with new couples about and couples who are reestablishing a healthy dynamic inside of their relationship is being very aware of who they allow to have opinions about their relationship, to who they allow to have opinions about their business, to who they allow, who gets their ear, who has their influence, who they share with, right? Do not talk about your partner to other people. Do not talk about your problems, right? We've got to become fierce protectors of the thing that we're preserving. And the protection is like, it's not so much about, oh, I want to keep everybody out, right? It's about preserving the integrity, the wholeness, right? The restoration, the thing, last episode I talked about restoring. We're here on coming back to wholeness. So if I'm nurturing something back into wholeness and I'm going to preserve the integrity of it, right? I'm going to preserve it. I've got to protect the environment. I had a vision of plants coming in, right? If you you get back from holidays, sometimes your plants are kind of dying in the house and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to like water it. I need to put it back in the sunlight. I need to, you know, give it a little bit of tender love. I have to protect it from the elements because it's fragile too, right? Things that are sacred to me, you know, protecting the energy inside of your relationship, protecting the space to show up for each other, to have those date nights, to have the real conversations, protecting the influence that you allow to come into your home, to your children, into each other's ears, right? Very, very cautious about you know, when I, when I support people who are navigating challenges, especially with families who have a lot of opinions and family drama is a real thing. Okay. But so is drama inside organizations. It's like, are we people who entertain gossip or are we people who just shut it down and we protect, you know, the integrity of conversations, we protect people's, um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reputation. Like we're not going to just talk about people without them being in the room. We honor the person, right? We honor going direct to source instead of circumventing and avoiding and going around. So what is it that you get to protect? This is the thing that people don't do. They don't become protectors of what matters, right? They just allow people pleasing, still people pleasing. I did an episode on people pleasing, go back and watch it. You know, when you are trying to tread on eggshells and please everybody because it's new and you want everybody to like you and you're in a new position. Like we got to be careful of that pattern because then we don't protect what matters. And that's what causes things to break, right? It causes infiltration, division, decisiveness, grumbling, murmuring, complaining, which eventually now you got a bigger problem to fix. It's like misunderstandings. That's not what I meant. That's not what you said. I heard this. You said that we can eliminate all of that excess noise. Okay. So not protecting the last two I want to talk about is, you know, the, the, the ninth reason that I see people really struggle in rebuilding is that they do not understand, extend grace. They do not understand or extend grace. They don't give grace. They don't receive grace. They don't understand how grace works, what grace is. Grace is, you know, given. When someone messes up, not because they deserve it, but because that's what grace does. Grace says, you know what? I know that your heart maybe had different intentions. You didn't mean to do that, or maybe you did, but I'm going to give you this one because I love you. I see your heart. You know, grace is like, I'm going to, I'm going to give you one here and I'm just going to love you through this challenge, right? Sometimes we lose our temper. Sometimes we say things. Sometimes we do things. Sometimes we mess up, right? And I do believe that we've got to ask for forgiveness when we need to, when we, when we do things that we have awareness that we did wrong, but there's a lot of us trying to rebuild something new and we keep reminding our partner or our staff or whatever. It's like, we're holding them, you know, kind of with the noose ready to pull on it and prove to them that they're ready to, you know, you're, you're on a tight rope here. Like, don't you mess it up. And I think that there's a, I know that there's a different way to create a solid structure that can support people and give them the right amount of play and room while also giving them the grace to have room to mess up a little bit and to not be terrified of taking action, to not be terrified of initiating. Because a lot of people become scared in rebuilding businesses, relationships, you know, teams, whatever they're, they're terrified because somebody up top or somebody that has power over them, you know, or they've given power of them is just got this whip ready to crack over themselves. And sometimes that person is us, you know, we are so unforgiving of ourselves. We're so impatient with ourselves. We're so unjust, unmerciful with ourselves. We become so critical of ourselves that we don't receive grace for ourselves. Therefore, it's very difficult to give it to someone else. We don't, we're not compassionate with ourselves. We don't really develop inner standing. Therefore, we don't have understanding, right? And true love, true union cannot exist without grace, okay? The last one I want to talk about is patience. And uh, there's lots of things that I could add to this list, but these were just, you know, some of the big ones that came through a lot of the process that that I work through with people as they're rebuilding is cultivating vision, getting really clear on what they're convicted about, why it matters so much, becoming fierce protectors, creating standards, redefining their values, creating tight rules of engagement, you know, and, and structure so that they can focus on the things that matter. And, um, 
you know, learning the art of forgiveness and grace. And finally, patience in the process, which ties with grace, but I'm going to put patience in listening, patience in communication, patience in the timing, patience in the process. And what I mean by this, you insert the word surrender, if that resonates with you, pacing, but to me, patience is so key because, you know, Again, I'm someone that likes to, if I'm, if I'm not careful, I I can rush processes, right? Like I get really excited. I have a lot of excitable energy. I have really good intentions, but sometimes I can get really impatient, get frustrated with myself, with others. And I'm, I'm now like rushing people along. I also know that I get, I get to continue working on that because I hate it when people are rushing me. I hate, I just cannot stand it. It's one of my biggest triggers when people don't honor my process. And, you know, it's why I've had to pull back from a lot of different groups I've been part in. I'm very aware of like, okay, honoring where other people are at in their journey while also honoring my own. This has been a huge piece of my inner healing work. I'm always working on it is really honoring the process, honoring the timing, my timing, you know, of when I feel like it's time to move God's timing of things in my life, like honoring my husband's timing is different than mine. You know, his process is different than mine. And what I see is people really struggle when they're like, why can't this person just get over it? Why can't this person just get to it? Like, come on, we got things to do. Like, aren't, why are you still talking? You know, why are you still hurting? Why are you still grieving over this? Like get over it. And we try to like, pull the person along or push them along or force them along or guilt them along or shame them along or whatever, or motivate them along. And they're just not ready yet. And I see a lot of this happening inside of relationships where, you know, it's well-intended, it's well-meaning, but it's harmful because it makes the other person feel unseen, unheard. um, And it starts to create walls. So all of these things, if they go unnoticed or disregarded, they will create miscommunication, confusion, disagreements, um, friction, and walls that later have to be broken down. And you know what happens when you have walls? You either keep hitting them or you have to break them down or you just go your separate ways, right? They create such a fortress that you just can't, they become impenetrable. So I hope that this really helped you as you're thinking about rebuilding, you know, that you tap into these things and whatever it is that you want to rebuild in your life, you know, check in with yourself. How are you doing in these 10 spaces? Again, this is part three of a three-part series on reclaiming, restoring, and rebuilding. And I think that we are always in this process, you know, of reclaiming, restoring, rebuilding, growing, right? And it's a beautiful journey. And it's a beautiful process we keep going through and we're always building and we're always creating because we're infinite creators. Like we are designed to be vessels of creation till the day we die. You know, you're going to have ideas. You're going to have things you want to do. The minute you stop creating, the minute you stop building is the minute many of us feel like we start dying, right? That a part of us is lost because you're designed to be a creator. You're designed for God to create in you and through you. That's why the first mandate to man and woman was multiply and prosper, go create and go procreate, create, and then prosper, multiply, right? And we create through our work. We create through our relationships. We create through our ideas. And if you are not creating or building the life you desire right now, and you keep hitting walls, I really invite you to tune into these things. Also, we have our upcoming um, Warriors of the Heart, our initiation 
our new community structure. I really am on fire right now to create a community to support you guys, my listeners. The book is coming out this year. I want to create a space where you can come that is accessible, not a high, high ticket coaching program, but something that is, you know, an investment for you to join where you can come and be surrounded with other men, other women on their growth journey to deeper, richer, more meaningful relationships, right? Heart-centered missions, like doing the inner work, rising together as leaders and powerful co-creators. And so there's a different, a couple different tiers of engagement, a couple different levels that you can get involved with. If you'd like to learn more about the Warriors of the Heart community, including the initiation, which was the, is that initial um, training and mastering of the reclaiming and restoration and rebuilding process. You can click on the link below to learn more about that, to get all the details. And um, I want to thank you all for being here again. I'm going to quickly just go through those 10 and then um, I'm going to let you guys go. So top 10 reasons why people fail to rebuild successfully is number one, they never healed, right? They never healed the wounds that caused the breakup in the first place, the breakdown in the first place, right? They never addressed, they just pressed on and they will relearn the lesson. AK, if you don't learn it the first time, you'll get it as many times over as you need to until you finally get it. The second thing is they don't create a vision. They don't allow the vision to come to them. They don't get clear on what that is. They don't have a convicting why, right? They don't have conviction deep inside. They don't have clarity on what they're building. They don't have standards, standards and values, right? They're not clear on their values and haven't defined them. They don't create standards for how they will show up, how they will operate, right? They're Think of your standards as your operating procedures. Like it gets to be this or better, right? But we're certainly not going to show up less than they don't have focus, right? They are not intentional on navigating their days, their conversations, just randomly going through things, right? No protecting what matters most. Boundaries loves boundaries, right? When I say protecting, like there's a space that is protected. There's boundaries in place. There is grace. Those of us who struggle with rebuilding, we are probably struggling with grace. And lastly, is that patience piece, right? Like how are you doing in the patience department, honoring the timing, honoring other people's process, honoring your own process. I would love to hear from you guys. I feel like this was a really um, power packed episode. I really dropped a lot of gold in here. If you receive it, if you actually implement just like one or two things in this podcast, it will completely change the trajectory of, of your future of whatever it is that you're, you're moving into. I don't, I don't, I can't move into like the tactical house because these are the foundational things that really start to get the, how is easy. Once you get clear on these things, right. The, how the next step, the, what to do, it, it starts to drop in pretty easily. The reason why there's so much confusion, complexity, um, mental fog is because something here is, is out of order. So I'm going to drop those in the show notes, uh, click on the link to learn more about the initiation until next time. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable heart shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. 
In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.